This is Lit Squad. Hi, I'm Mark Brody. A nine-year-old girl's effort to translate her great-great-grandmother's stories from Lipan Apache to Spanish and the impacts of technology and climate change on that effort are among the themes of the novel A Snake Falls to Earth. The young adult novel has been called a coming-of-age story that beautifully combines tradition and technology. This is the second novel from author Darcy Little Badger, who describes herself as a writer of fantasy books. Here's our conversation. Yeah, it's it's actually kind of difficult because even though I use the term fantasy, they're more genre fusions. My first book was a combination of contemporary fantasy with some mystery thrown in. And my second book, A Snake Falls to Earth, has actually been described as indigenous futurisms. And I feel like that is a better descriptor than science fiction fantasy combo. It does partially take place in the near future of Earth, but it also partially takes place in a world of uh, world-shaping magic and monsters and animal people. So it is a, it's a very difficult book to, to just put into a, a box in terms of this is a fantasy book, this is a sci-fi book. But then again, a lot of my favorite works really uh, blend those genre boundaries. Huh. Well, so where do you draw inspiration for your stories? Yeah, they co- they comes from all over, but in particular, A Snake Falls to Earth, I found myself inspired by two main parts of my life. The first is that I do have a PhD in oceanography, and for a long time, I studied earth science. So I was really thinking, what will Texas be like in the near future? Um, what type of changes can we expect to see, and how will we be able to deal with those? But also, when, when I was growing up, my parents raised me with, with stories of all types, and my mother in particular uh, would tell me these traditional stories of the Lipan Apache people. So I'm, I'm Lipan Apache, you know, my maternal side. On my father's side, I'm Irish American. But a lot of these stories are passed down through our, our very strong oral storytelling tradition. Um, so they, they shaped the way that when I was a child, I just in, envisioned all that a story could be. A lot of them were adventurous and a lot of them featured characters, both human and also animal people of all sorts of species. I I wanted to write something that kind of paid homage to that, but also was my own take on this this world full of animal people. So it just comes from all over. Well, I wonder what role the fact that, as you say, these particular stories maybe aren't as well known outside the community. What role did that play in your choice to use them to some extent in your writing? You know, even in terms of indigenous people in the in the U.S., uh, we're we're a very small tribe. I, I think there's probably less than ten thousand of us. Hmm. Um, so when I was writing this book, there was part of me in the back of my head that was wondering if the wider audience would even connect to this this type of inspiration. But on the other hand, I thought when I was a kid and when I was reading, I really I love to read stories that were from perspectives outside of my own. And then introduced me to worlds that I, I didn't know were possible. But I got to say, it's great, too, when I do meet with, with other Native uh, readers uh, and they're like, oh, hey, I, I kind of recognized something that I grew up hearing, like huh. reflected in your books. So I was like, oh, that is so cool. <laughs> that is cool. Well, so like, is yeah. there a balance in your mind of using elements of the stories that you were told as a child while also sort of putting your spin on them? Like, do you think about maybe not changing them too much or maybe not changing particular elements of them to to keep them sort of whole as you remember them? Yes. I actually don't directly put any of the stories into the book. 
it was uh, more like I allowed myself to kind of think, what would it look like if I was just really inspired by all those stories growing up? And I, I do feel like a lot of times it is a balance, especially because I don't want to categorize, for example, our sacred stories as fantasy. So I keep those out of my my fantasy work. Well, I would think that given the genre in which you're writing, it would probably be both liberating and maybe a little scary when you're making things up because you want them to continue to fit in with the stories that are in your head, but maybe not make them too out there to make them so unbelievable. Oh, yes. Uh, sometimes I experiment. I, I'm a short story writer as well. And, and when I get more experimental and more out there, it tends to go into my short stories. And maybe someday I'll put that in a, in a book. But I think that a lot of what I've learned just over the process of becoming a better writer is how to find that balance. So you mentioned that you have a degree in oceanography. I'm curious, like, how you try to incorporate that, because I'm guessing there are not a lot of folks with a PhD in oceanography who are now writing novels. I I have not met personally another oceanographer. Like I'd say the closest I've met is my friend Premi, who's a soil scientist and is kind of cool. We like to discuss how maybe like scientific papers or things that we're interested in make their way into into our fantasy fiction. And with this in particular, I, I did a lot of research studying ocean acidification, studying um, ancient sea level markers as a way to maybe predict how local sea level changed. So in other words, earth science related to climate change. Uh, And really everything that I thought about as a scientist in terms of trying to predict what the future will be made its way into the book. But also it's difficult too, because when you're trying to predict the future as a scientist, you really have to give ranges. Because the fact is, we don't know what actions are going to affect the degree of change that we'll see in the future. Right. But when you're writing a book, you're writing, this has already happened. It, it, it's the world in the future. And, and so that, that actually gave me some angst because I was like, what if like decades from now, things are, are worse or things aren't as bad? And oh my gosh, I got it wrong. And then I was like, you know, this is a f- fantasy world. It's an alternate universe. We could just, let's use that as the excuse. So, I mean, when you are looking for new stories, how like how deeply do you mine the stories that you were told, the traditional stories you were told as a child? And how much do you you know look at what's going on in the world, in the news, given your your science degree and how much just sort of other stuff that's out there and sort of, you know, rattling around in your head? I find that events that have happened to me personally and also to my family tend to make their way into these books and in kind of subtle ways. So I guess I could say that my biggest source of of inspiration is just life itself and and the experiences that I go through, but also the experiences that people I care for are going through. I I still like to keep reading scientific articles, even though technically I'm a full-time writer now, so (laughs) I I don't get paid for science, but you know, they're interesting. And sometimes you just read the strangest things like um, pockets of water trapped in caves and just all these cool little little elements of the world and, and those they like to go into my short stories, honestly, especially like the weird ones. Yeah, I would think like the kinds of stories you write would be perfect for these like little scientific oddities, things that like people read and say, no, there's no way that actually happened. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I kind of wonder what came first, 
my love for science or like my love for, for fantasy when it comes to just the inspiration for these ideas. That was author Darcy Little Badger. I'm Mark Brody, your host for the Lit Squad podcast. If you like this episode, subscribe and leave a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Lit Squad is a KJZZ original production. It was produced by Sativa Peterson. Until next time, thanks for listening.